Y'all know what time it is. Vivid Nectar Podcast, episode 238. We're back with it. And we're going to be incorporating some track reviews that I previously had in the podcast. I will do them individually, but we're going to we're gonna start implementing them in these episodes. So to start off some of the artists, that Glorilla Cardi B joint, we're going to be talking about it. Kodak, Walk, Spin, talking about him. Boogeyman by the Baby on Baby, Baby on Baby 2. Blame it on Baby 2. I know I'm butchering the title. We're talking about that too. We're also going to be going over the last four One Piece chapters. Yes, you heard that right. The last four One Piece chapters. I can't believe it. I can't believe it's... Sorry, did it sound too loud when I moved the mic? I can't believe it's been four weeks. And in that span of four weeks, I've been keeping up. Trust me, I've been reading. I haven't been sharing it with y'all, but we've had a lot of events, a lot of information. And I feel, I believe we're at a point in One Piece where we're getting more answers than questions, more revelations than mysteries. If y'all got the, you know. So we're going to be discussing some One Piece, some artists, albums that will be dropping over the next couple of weeks. And maybe, not maybe, we're going to be discussing what's the worth of features, man? How are we feeling about features? How are we feeling about artists charging what they charge? A little small talk when it comes to that. Anything else afterwards, we're going to find out. So starting off with Cardi B and Glow Villa. Hey, this was a track that I was just like, hey, we got the females. The females are pulling the anthem. The preview was pretty pretty fire. And we finally got it. Tomorrow 2, Glorilla, Cardi B coming in at 3 minutes and 30 seconds. It speeds by pretty quick. It feels like a track that's too many. Production from Macaroni Tony. And I believe his tagline is from Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, Mac. And what's the guy's name? Cheese? Whenever they're talking. Hold on. Let me me adjust y'all real quick. There we go. That way we could get... That way we could get in perfectly aligned. If not perfectly aligned, we'll deal with it. Back to the track, high intensity, high energy, ballistic bars, and Glorilla having, you know, a more, a, a deeper tone in her presence when it comes to her bars. Just give her a different ambiance compared to other female rappers. Like City Girls, I'm not going to be listening to City Girls. Glorilla. Glorilla. We got it right. It got my attention right here. Adding in Cardi. And this is, okay, let me take a couple steps back. Bop, bop. Glorilla without Cardi B on this track, I still feel has a hit. With Cardi B, it just perfectly complements it and adds a different dynamic. Production on here, it's pretty hard. It's tough. And besides the Farsa's Home for Imaginary Friends intro, got a little bit of nostalgia that went in my head. I'm like, all right. The bar is definitely definitely deliver. As far as subject matter, I mean, come on. What what am I going to say? Usually, for those of you unfamiliar, I will break down bars track by track, usually on the more lyrical side of things where you could dissect the bar and have multiple references. But whenever it comes to this, when we talk about who we popping, running down on ops, who hotter than us, so on and so forth, I don't think it needs much elaboration. But to say that the voice inflections of Candace are done well on this track, I got to give it to that. Cardi B, of course, shouting out Ice Spice. Also a bit with Koi with the twin and bar, that nigga a munch. And then referencing her own track up whenever she has up in her own bars. Something to give credit for. Because if you're a fan of Kari, a fan of her world, it's like you you pick up the little references in here and there, adding everything together, just building up that energy. And I was impressed by Cardi B on here because having hot shit with Lil Durk and Kanye, I was a bit disappointed. And I know previously there was another song, uh, another song with the Sean Paul sample, I believe. I forgot the name of it. But I was just like, okay, this is, if Cardi B is going to rap, I want this kind of intensity. Yeah, me. Not even say, yo, yo, I think she sounds, no, I want this kind of intensity. Let's keep improving the pen, whether it's her or her ghostwriters. Going on from there, Kodak Black Walk. 
coming in at two minutes forty seven seconds. Production from Ty Beats. This is tough. Tough is tough is tough. Walk. This is a bop right here. I remember when I had my walk. Walk. Well, I all right. I I could definitely I could vibe to this. I see what the approach Kodak Black is going on here, and instrumental. Pretty great. Pretty great. But I'm a big stepper. I drip when I walk. I'm bringing pressure around when I walk. And I'm whenever these kind of songs are by. Do I want to say they're like anthems? Or I wouldn't say necessarily like it's TikTok music. Definitely not TikTok music. But it's the kind of song that you feel you could apply. It's like a soundtrack to your day. Like I'm playing this. This is the kind of energy I'm stepping in. This is the kind of energy that I'm walking through. And when I first heard it, I'm like, all right. I mean, this is the same face and everything. I'm like, this sounds like a sounds like a killer track. And then as time is going on, I'm like, all right, you're buying me. And Hellcat came with an exhaust, which thought on me must be lost. Simple rhyme schemes going on with the words. But given the canvas, given the beat on here, it's addictive. It has a hook. And then if we want to kick it to the more softer side of things, give it a little bit of class, a little bit more shine, a little bit more rhythm. We got Spin, Kodak Black, production from Ty Beats, 2 minutes and 32 seconds. Both of these tracks within the two-minute range, 247, 232, well-paced. Doesn't overstay, which is crucial. We don't, if we're going to be repetitive, we don't want tracks that are just going to be like, all right, it's still dragging on. It's like, no, no, no. It's doing its thing. It's doing it nice. Now on the hook on here, walk, 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 spin, spin, spin. Trust me, he's sounding a lot better than I am whenever I'm saying this through. Stepping and sliding, run down on ops. It's beautiful. It's elegant. It's something you can listen to when you're walking through on a sunny day, just hopping around with your chopper. (laughs) Oh, man. But a nice, a nice two-piece combo from Kodak Black. Something, I would say, completely different, but it has some spice. We got some spice going on these tracks. And finally, for the fourth track, we're going to be discussing Boogeyman, The Baby, from Baby on Baby 2. Baby on Baby 2. Now, going back, Baby on Baby, releasing in 2019. That album, incredible. I believe that was the album. Yes, okay. I got it all. I got it all sorted out. Baby on Baby 2019, definitely the map that put the map, the album that put babe, the baby on the map. That, w- that was rough. That was really rough right there. The album that put the baby on the map. And I remember the baby's feature on the sun at the same time when Dreville was dropping their album. And everything was just going great from the features to the singles to his performances. And the music videos were real goats. Uh, I'm, one thing we could appreciate from the baby is the quality of his music videos. And just if you're a fan of the baby, you eating. If you are the baby fan when it comes to his music, you're getting releases. You're getting high quality music videos. And lyrically, the baby is still here. One thing I got to give to Boogeyman is definitely the flow. His flow has different paces throughout the track, which is something that I appreciate. Seeing as how the baby doesn't waste a second starting off a track. The fact that at certain times he's able to slow things down, change up the pace. You got to appreciate moments like that. Anyhow, Boogeyman coming in at... It's not, it's not giving me the total time here. How am I How am I supposed to do my thing? It's not giving me my total time. Anyhow, production from Jetson Made, another one. Or is it just Jetson Made? I, I dropped the ball on that too. Boogeyman, man. I, I, what was it? I believe I saw 50 Cent posted up. And then I was like, oh, the baby's dropping an album. And I just found out. I can't tell if that's on me or on his label for promoting it. But... Cover art. I know it's just sort of going to cover art. We with it. We just topping it up. We just topping it up. Boogeyman having the baby, sort of being a boogeyman iced out. I think that's a pretty hard album cover coming around the time that 
next month, Halloween, October, I'm buying into it. I'm buying into the, you know, the whole, what I say, theme? Yeah, the whole theme behind it, being the boogeyman, uh, applying himself with that role. But going into some of the verses, man, we love when the baby is talking. We love when the baby is rapping his shit. Whenever he's just talking, he don't he don't care. But there's a couple things that caught my ears here. Number one, shouts out, shouts out the baby showing love to Tori because hey, hey, even with the whole deal, the whole situation ain't that big of a deal right now. Well, technically it is, but it is old news now. Old news, the whole thing. You know, struggle of the baby with, um, you know, Tori and Megan, all that. But e- even now, the day before she said that Tori Lane's daughter, I like, all right, we still talk about it, the baby. We keeping that energy. We keeping that energy. And anyway, I talk about what he did with Meg, talking about how he been wanting to say that stuff and, you know, having to, hey, keep it a buck. He doesn't want to say nothing to his girl or uh, to say nothing to her man. It's just like, all right, the baby, we really talking spicy like this on Boogeyman. I guess we're living up to the boogeyman energy you're trying to bring on here. Um, referencing the fact that he lost a $30 million deal. I don't know if that was with Burger King, but because of the whole ordeal that happened with Rolling Loud. And most importantly, this is just him basically firing off. Anybody has an issue, yo, stop, stop playing with me. Stop playing with me. Boogeyman, well done. Well done, the baby. Now, let me know what you guys think about this. I'm not not for the fact that if I should keep doing this or we we're gonna keep expecting it. As far as pacing, as far as um breakdowns, trying to get better at it. We're trying to get better at it. We two two hundred thirty eight episodes deep, and this is a part of the podcast where we're gonna start switching things up to the anime side of things. We talk about one of the greatest pieces of entertainment known to mankind, One Piece. One Piece. One Piece. Let me breathe a bit. You know, y'all, y'all know I'm used to doing reels recently. So now getting back into this whole talking for more than 10 minutes takes takes a bit out of me. So I believe 1057 is whenever we got more information as far as cross guild. So let's talk about that. Yo, for to start off, buggy. I'm not going to say he has like a luck, luck fruit or anything like that. But the way things just go around his life to where he he damn near in the near death situation every other minute. And it just finds a way to compliment him. We got to give him his props. And I say it all the time in the podcast for anybody that really doesn't know Buggy, but they only know his status and name. He must be terrifying. But seeing him like begging for his life. Mihawk and Crocodile just like, yo, how did you put us in this situation? I found it hilarious. And going to the fact that, you know, the fact that Buggy owed Crocodile money, didn't pay him. So Crocodile having to hunt him down. And at the same time, that's when the Marines were trying to get Buggy. So it appeared like, oh, you know, Crocodile saving Buggy. And then Crocodile recruiting Mihawk, they doing their thing to get this all together. And it was supposed to be Mihawk. And Crocodile, you know, being bigger than Buggy in the poster. And the fact that Buggy looked like he runs stuff, like he the Yonko. Well, he is technically the Yonko. I just, great job, Oda. The way this is all done with a comedic sense, it just, the payoff is there. But you can still feel the presence. Love the fact that Mihawk, you know, he's someone that is a lot more laid back. He's just like, hey, you know, at the end, this works out for me. Because I ain't trying, I ain't trying to deal with all that noise that comes with being the Yonko. Crocodile, he mad, but he gonna make it work couple things to note about 1057. This is like the most we've seen of Mihawk in years. 
in years, especially with the previous chapter. Like the fact we got so much interaction between Mihawk, Crocodile, and Buggy, this felt like their own chapter to a point. It's like, man, can we have a little spinoff real quick? Can we go with the next couple of chapters with just them? Can we? And going from there, that was just like, these, these chapters can't, they can't get one upped anymore. Like, how can, how can we get any better from here? Of course, it's going to get better. And I believe 1058, if I'm right. I might be losing track of my numbers here, but I believe after that, that was when we got the one and only Blackbeard coming back. So to go back, to go into that whole thing, Blackbeard wanting to get the devil fruit from, what's her name? Boa Hancock. Wanting to get her devil fruit, he sees the value in her devil fruit. Which, you know, all of us, we were having all these theories about how Blackbeard is going to get this fruit, that fruit. But Boa Hancock's being a fruit that's like, yo, we know it's overpowered, but it really is overpowered. Like, it's crazy how, how important, or not important, you know, turning anybody to stone. So we got Blackbeard going in to attack. We also got Kobe that's attempting to arrest Hancock. I, yo, these Marines, they got, they got balls. They got, more, they got balls for the fact that they could get an order saying, hey, go capture Luffy, and they're just going to be like, all right, cool. This reminds me, what was the RDC World skit, the Yakatsuki skit, where it was like your first day in the Yakatsuki. All right, go secure the Ninetales. It's like, <laughs> Ninetales? Yeah, he's in a hidden leaf village. Well, I know where he's at, but the nine toes came with this is the kind of energy I'm getting from here. Oh man, but to speed it up. Kobe, of course, trying to get Hancock. We get surprised with Blackbeard making his presence known. And then we also come to find out the whole reason the island's getting destroyed. Because we seen like these little kids is the I'm not even gonna try to pronounce it. I'm just gonna say these PX bottles of Mihawk and Boa Hancock. The Mihawk one literally slashing the island. Slashing a chunk of the mountain and even forcing, you know, when it started fighting against Blackbeard, even forcing Blackbeard to use some hockey. A couple important things to note about this. Number one, I'm happy that Blackbeard shows that he's able to use hockey. It would have been a, a bit weird to have Blackbeard last this long, even though he does have two of the most. Even though he does have two of the most overpowered fruits, I, I still feel like hockey needs to be something at a basic level Blackbeard's capable of and he is so that's good to see but the fact he sort of no actually let me not emphasize the fact he sort of freaked out because blackbeard be freaking out about everything but the fact that it was a bit of a concern and that he didn't destroy the pacifista completely things are getting finally it feels like the marines have some leverage because things are getting intense the marines finally feel like a threat again because for a while it's been feeling like they're punching back like a kind everybody else i mean yeah they're strong but Y'all been catching L after L after L. So then we get into this moment where Boa Hancock just turns a bunch of the soldiers to stone to a Blackbeard's, a bunch of Kobe's. And then Blackbeard's talking to Kobe like, hey, man, what do I do? Like, And it's, it's genuinely funny because it's like a moment where it's just intense action. Who's going to die? What's going to go on? And then we get to a moment of, yeah, so my crewmates, they're sort of done I could kill Hancock, but apparently Hancock Boa's telling me that if I kill her, everybody stays in stone. The whole predicament. I'm going to do it anyways. And then we get a spark of Conker's hockey. I, I was just like, Yo, who could it be? The one and only Rayleigh. 
Ray Lee coming in. And it's funny hearing Ray Lee say, you know, I personally, you know, I don't like you. <laughs> like, it's one thing when pirates have beef, but for one of the, but Ray Lee, someone that's usually timid, calm, reserved, and it's always oh, comes at the perfect time to say, I really don't like you. It's like, oh man, he has a personal agenda. And at first, before eventually what happened, I'm like, can Rayleigh handle Blackbeard? Now, don't get me wrong. Rayleigh, we've seen it years ago. He was able to hold off against Kazaru. But, I mean, Blackbeard confirming the fact that he has a basic level, uh, you know, basic understanding of hockey capabilities and two of the most overpowered devil fruits. Can he really survive Blackbeard? And I feel, I know, I'm diving a little bit. One of the biggest drawbacks of Blackbeard when it comes to his power is just that it's so destructive. He's just going to kill all his allies around him. I feel that's going to play a part in the future. But seeing Rayleigh come out and just, I was just like, man, this chapter, well, well, we're getting not just Blackbeard, but Rayleigh. We're getting Boa and we're getting these new pacifistas. Like, this is great. This is great. Eventually, Blackbeard ain't want no smoke with Rayleigh. He walks off, kidnaps Kobe, Boa, whatever, undoes undoes the stone. For everybody, undoes the stone, unfreezes everybody from the stone. They go on with their day. And that's the most important thing I got out of that chapter. Following up with the next one, we get finally get more information as far as Sabo. What is Sabo trying to do? Is Sabo really killed a king? Now, I'm pretty sure we all know he didn't. But having Sabo attempt to reach out to the revolution ar- revolutionary army to say, hey, M. Not him, but that there's somebody that sits at the top. There's somebody that sits in a chair. There's somebody above the entire world to confirm that. And having him shoot down what I believe to be Uranus, what I believe to be the agent weapon, and destroy the island. You know, when you when you know the strongest, when you understand that a character is overpowered, super strong. It's just like, all right, how strong are they? Until we really see it. Like this man, apparently king of the world, how strong is he? Obliterating an entire island. And then the, you know, 16, I was going to say streaks of lights or beams the same way as it's Enel. And a lot of parallels and comparisons to Skypea because Skypea is definitely a blueprint for this last saga. We're seeing the parallels with the attacks with the moves, with the introduction to the grand scale of the attacks. And all the same way, Beam, M, the same way at Beam, how they both symbolize the king, the god, the rulers. And important things to note, what is the natural enemy of Enel? Or of his powers, at least. Rubber, Luffy, who's going to be the natural enemy of M? That, you know, we at some point, Luffy's going to defeat him. Luffy, a.k.a. Sun God Nika. Incredible stuff here. I I could continue fangirling and going on to more discussions as far as, yo, how this is all time. And shouts out to all the YouTubers that do all this hard research for me because I'd just be enjoying the theory videos. Like, yeah, yeah, I was thinking about that. No, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. I'm not out here reading these covers, flipping these numbers and translations, but we're going to incorporate it. We're going to incorporate it. And then most recently, most recently, we're going to be talking about the Dr. Vegapunk revelation. For starters, it ain't an old man. At least for now. That's ridiculous. But One Piece chapter 1061. We could do like an official uh, review of this because this was recent. The Straw Hats, after slashing the tornado and finding that Bonnie was in there, the water spout, we get a giant shark at the bottom of the ocean and it ends up being a mecha shark. By the way, I'm loving the fact that the ocean 
and technology can still be a grand threat to not just a sun god, not just to the legendary straw hats. Oh yeah, we're saying legendary right now. But the fact that it isn't like, oh, we defeated Kaido, so now nothing could nothing could be, be an obstacle. The ocean is still one of the greatest threats to any pirate with a devil fruit. Damn near, even without the devil fruit, the ocean is still something you don't play with. And having a mecha shark come out of nowhere, pretty sure nobody planned it, but to see that it was still a threat, something that was urgent and they had to overcome, it's nice to get that kind of urgency aside from, oh, a Yonko. I don't know. The ocean, yeah, the ocean's still pretty crazy, man. The ocean, what we got going on right now, it's still pretty wild. So, of course, the Straw Hats being going overboard, Jinbei, having to save Luffy, Chopper, and Bonnie, everybody else. Who knows where they're at? So, we enjoyed our couple chapters of the Straw Hats getting together. So, we'll take a couple of steps back. I love the fact that we've been able to have some pre-time skip Nakama engagement. The jokes, the interactions, Luffy, of course, getting in trouble for steering everybody wrong. And just, it feels, you know, it feels like the family again. We back together. We're, we were loving this. And it lasted for about, what, three, four chapters. And it was good, but you know what? They was bound to separate again at some point for the sake of the story. So, Jembei, of course, saving Luffy, Chopper, Bonnie, Frankie in his mech suit, attempting to save everyone. And then eventually... The shark stops attacking. Come to find out. But by the way, Frankie, with your giant mech, that's crazy, crazy on Frankie. But come to find out, and the mech suit is a person or in the shark. And it's no none other than the one and only Dr. Vegapunk. Yo, you know how... Re- like, it's one thing to go from finally having Mihawk. Okay, Crocodile, Crossgill, Buggy, Yonko, going from their Blackbeard. And Rayleigh and these pacifistas. And then from there, M, Sabo, M unleashing his real, like, whether it's his power or weapon. And then to finally have, not finally, but then to add this on top, Dr. Vegapunk in the span of four chapters, we're seeing characters that we haven't seen fighting forever or more interaction that we ever seen. Not just any, but like legendary characters. Mihawk, for like two chapters in a row, we've seen him talking everything. Crazy. M. The final villain of One Piece, at least we assume. Actually, like, all right, it's time for me to throw hands. Like, we, you, y'all see my underlings do the dirty work for me, but I'm going to show you what happens when I got to deal with stuff. Man, let me sit back. Let me sit back. Because that like, they had me, had me going ballistic. And then this chapter, Dr. Vegapunk, the one that said, if we could say this, or else I'm going to keep venting off about One Piece, man. Dr. Vegapunk being a female, a young female at that. Not, a, not an old man that we expected. Not the, you know, like, uh, he's been doing this for years. He's barely, he's like a, a nerdy scientist. No. Dr. Vegapunk. Now, important thing to note that we see the zero two on the shirt. So could that be a second version of Dr. Vegapunk? Dr. Vegapunk's daughter? Who knows? But going off, it's like, huh, silly pirates. Y'all, y'all not my friends. I, I'm a Marine still. You know, so at the end of the day, whether I stop the shark or not, y'all getting to work. Crazy. Uh, so that's a quick way to summarize like about four weeks worth of one piece that I have skipped out on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for letting you guys not hear my voice about this. Baruto Dragon Ball is on the way. I was going to discuss the Dragon Ball here, but if anything, I'll discuss the movie. I still haven't seen it. Heard great things commercially. 
Um, love that they finally, from what I was informed, Gohan, he ain't, he ain't trying to be a scholar. The new form, it felt like fan fiction, but I'm happy, even though it wasn't fan fiction, that it has that fan fiction energy. And when I do watch it, I can't wait to discuss it. Of As far as bringing back Cell or, you know, their own version of Cell, I find it disappointing, but do I... I don't know. What, what, do you, what do you guys think is worse? Bringing back a villain or a certain version of a villain or having a new villain that just doesn't meet up to the previous villain standards. I, I can't tell which poison hurts the worse. And at this point, we're going to be bringing things to a close in this episode. So we're going to be talking about what is the worth of features to certain rappers? Because at the end of the day, the rap game is business. So what was it? I think it was designer complaining about SG's feature for 75K. And, you know, basically being pissed because the man charges 75K. But it's just like, if you're in the music business and you're an artist, you're a rapper, whatever. How can you be mad at someone charging a price for their feature? And then, because basically what it's sounding like is, all right, you ain't got 75K. Me neither. All right, designer, me and you, neither of us got 75K for SG feature. But that's the worth. And SG, he'd be... He be snapping, SG be snapping on his track. So this is reminding me of, um, well, not reminding me, but at this point, all right, 75K for SG verse. Do you feel that is worth it? And I'm asking you guys, do you feel that's worth it, 75K for SG verse if you're a designer? Me, honestly, I don't think designers should be paying anybody for a feature. I think you should be pushing out more music. I think you should be pushing out more music by yourself. That way you could continue to develop a hardcore audience. We don't care about your writing credits on other people's works. Because as far as a designer, as an artist, there ain't no, it's not a discography there. And it's not a, it's not a place for hardcore fans to thrive in. So to see him... You know, going ballistic over a featured price. Come on, when it comes to the business side of things, it only makes sense. And as far as wanting someone, but then not wanting them because of the price feature, that's a little ridiculous, dog. That is ridiculous. And this is also bringing me back to the value of a feature is more, is important as well. Because just because you get someone that's high, at least for me, from somebody that isn't in the business, isn't a rapper, that doesn't really understand the benefits all the way. If you don't even have a discography to back you up, you shouldn't be asking for features. That's my take on that situation. Now, to wrap all of this up, we did the reviews. We discussed the One Piece. We chopped it up about features real quick. And this is the part where we usually have a closer. But let's discuss, let's make a little bit of education. What's something that we learned this week? I know it feels a little bit whack. Like, man, something we learned this week. What are you talking about? Why are we trying to hear about that? Now, nah, hear me out. Hear me out. Let's keep this rolling. Me and you. Every week. Maybe every episode or so, something we learn. And you know what? We're going to go with that yay quote for that yay episode. And the main takeaway, not the exact quote, but it's never going to be the perfect time for anything you want to do. But it's always the perfect time to start as soon as you can, I guess. Wow, that was, <laughs> that was real great. Real, real informer, Alexander. All right, listen. Instead of, waste, instead of waiting for the perfect time to, do, to accomplish or start some of the things you want to do, just do it. If you're capable of doing it, doing it because the perfect time to do something, if I remember the quote right, was yesterday. The second best time is right now. Now, thank you guys for tuning in. I wanted to discuss more topics, but we're going to get that down in episode 239 because I'm letting y'all know, yo, talking, 
damn near like 30 minutes plus, so on and so forth. Something to get adjusted to. And I don't want to give you a low energy, gassed out version of myself. You know how we doing it on here, Vivid Nectar. We got the content going on Instagram. We got the merch on the way. Got these podcast episodes right here. We're going to continue to continue to build this foundation with the business. We're going to continue to expand and listen. Right now, YouTube, y'all listening to this, subscribe to Vivid Nectar on YouTube to get the visual. And I just want to say I appreciate y'all. Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you on the next one.